You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Shuquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. All right, welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Shuquette. Today we have Kevin Hundle on the call. He's a million dollar seller, uh, been a part of the group for a while now. He's also uh, the founder of A-Trend that uh, creates happiness through music. And he's also an EOS implementer. And for those of you that don't know what EOS is, it's the Entrepreneur's Operating System. A lot of people in MDS run that and it's a pretty well-known business system around the world. Kevin, thanks for coming on the call, man. I'm excited to chat with you. I know we've had a couple of delays, um, but why don't you go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself a little bit and, and let the listeners know about you. Yeah, Nick, first of all, uh, thanks a lot for giving me some time today. I appreciate it. Looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, so my my story is uh, came uh, I'm from an immigrant family, so first generation here, born and raised in Chicago. My family's uh, from the state of Punjab, which is northern India. So parents, uh, actually father came here as a engineer on a visa um, in the 70s and brought his uh, six, five brothers and one sister all to Chicago. So I'm fortunate with a pretty big family here um, in Chicago. It's interesting. Our house was called the Hundle Hotel when we were growing up. We always have guests and people coming in from Punjab to visit us. So yeah, grew up in Chicago in in a family where... Uh, you know, everything was new to my parents and uh, new to their siblings and trying to raise a family and also try to, you know, find financial freedom and, and appreciate the the uh, opportunities that come with the United States. So really in that journey, got to really see a lot of creative things that uh, my parents did and my uncles and aunts did when it came to entrepreneurship and business. So kind of grew up around a lot of that from jewelry stores to print shops to convenience stores. So we got to see a lot of those things come to life and along that some failures as well, right? So that kind of was always in front of me growing up as a kid. Um, I think it was some of that kind of entrepreneurial thinking that led me to my first, what I'll say is my first enterprise and uh, talking about that enterprise was actually in fourth grade. So I remember I went to school called Stone School here in the suburbs of Chicago and used to go to Sam's Club with, with my mother, uh, you know, Costco, as we know it, and Sam's Club, and buy some volume things. And as I'd go through the aisle, I'd see blow pops, you know, the big boxes you could buy at discount. So start having her, persuaded her to become an investor and lend me some money. And it started with 50 bucks. And I bought a couple of those blow pops boxes. I put them in my bag and went to school the next day. And I sold out, I sold out at lunchtime, like in 10 minutes of them. And and I, I, now I do the math. I think I was operating on like a 45% gross margin. I was killing it. I was like, Oh, this is great. And uh, so that was my first entrepreneurial journey, but you know, competition came in pretty quickly, two, three weeks after that. And all of a sudden everyone has backpacks and blow pops and different flavors. And then I got a rude awakening to understand what governance is because the principal shut down that operation pretty quickly. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's just, I think it's always embodied in who I am as a, as a human is just looking for opportunities uh, in fun and interesting ways. And, you know, with that, my father uh, started, he's, uh, he, you know, from 1970 to 1990, really trying to find his way 
in, in building something for his family and, and working here. And he got himself into um, a financial advisory position. So he took some of the, the tests that were required for that and became a financial advisor and uh, was pretty successful in it up until the early 90s when he decided to take the entrepreneurial leap uh, and try it again through a new journey, which was manufacturing uh, holiday yard decorations. So it's interesting. You think about it, an immigrant from India making holiday yard decorations. And what those decorations were is um, reindeers and sleighs, if you can remember uh, back in the 90s, are not as prevalent now, but you'd see in lawns, like people would have reindeers and wooden sleighs on their lawns with lighting on them and things of such. And uh, we started actually manufacturing those in the 90s. And I was about 13 years old when that business started. So I remember working on the shop floor and working on the CNC machine and having accidents and watching this manufacturing thing come to life, um, which was just a, uh, a very uh, big learning experience, not only from standpoint of business, but just seeing how my father and he brought his brother in and that he brought my his brother-in-law in, and you've got this family dynamic of everybody working together and remember packaging and all the moms are on the factory floor packing reindeers and sleighs to meet orders for Ace Hardware. And it was just a very, um, it was just a very, I guess, uh, special time of family and trying to build something together. Uh, unfortunately, that business, you know, had a lot of shakeups with Asia starting to bring in like product. And some of that started happening in the late nineties. Um, and really we had to look for a pivot in the business. What were we going to do with the organization? And uh, we had one piece of machinery, which is a CNC router. So, you know, they cut MDF pieces and things of that sort. And that's what really led uh, me into a trend in 2002 is saying, what can we do with the infrastructure we have in place and, and how do we, actually utilize it to to do something and build something that that started the company uh today which that started the company in 2002 which is a trend it's just still kind of the main business the mds business if you will today okay yeah man awesome what a, what a great story i mean it sounds like you learned a lot of great like lessons early on in in life that really set you up for this entrepreneurial lifestyle um i think it's always great to hear these different paths that we take as individuals with similar goals in mind, right? Like I always yeah. wanted the freedom that comes with entrepreneurship, but I didn't really have those examples early on in, in my life or, or the ability to like make those mistakes, even though there was like that deep hunger inside of me to do something that I felt was great. Um, and school certainly wasn't feeding that right so yeah. i don't there was no blow pops being sold <laughs> stuff, which i think is also interesting or maybe i just wasn't privy to it in the moment i'm not too sure but you know i kind of always felt like i was just really pushed to like hey you know get good grades do what we tell you uh show up here in school and you know maybe you'll get a good job and and retire someday and have a few good years left in you yeah and uh which shot me down a pretty dark path for a little while uh but you know here i am i, I emerged uh doing well for myself which i'm grateful for but, yeah uh, you know i try to give my children those examples uh that you've just touched on man where they have that opportunity really to get out there and fail and fall on their face a little bit and and not take that easy uh path in life that doesn't have that big reward 
yeah. side of it, man. Um, so that's so cool that, uh, you know, you had those special moments with your family. I'm, I'm sure that kept you guys really close. Um, what's the family dynamic like for, for you at the moment? Yeah. You know, Nick, and I'll just touch on that is because a memory came to mind as you were talking about it. And it's the appreciation of kind of growing up in an entrepreneurial family and business. You know, there's the good, the bad and the ugly, as we all know today as our own entrepreneurs right, and our own businesses is that it was really a time in, in the mid nineties, where that business became so difficult that I recall my father having a tough time writing a $500 check. And that's when I really understood what entrepreneurship was. It was like, okay, you got to be able to write these checks. You got to be able to cover payroll. And, you know, being 16 years old, 15 years old and seeing that is a good life lesson in entrepreneurship that you don't get, you know, in school all the time in a very kind of direct manner. So yeah, it was, Great, great growing up uh, today, uh, still very much, uh, you know, the family is still entrepreneurial in a lot of ways. Um, my father's still involved with A-Trend, which is great. You know, I get to see him. I, I, we've got a manufacturing plant here in Chicago and he's, uh, man, he's, he's, good. he's 80 years old, but he's there. He, he loves coming. He's on the floor. He's walking the floor. He's talking to the guys. And, you know, there was a, there's a time where I was like, Hey dad, you know, it's time to retire. We got to and one of our customers said, Kevin, that's the worst thing you can do. Let him come, let him do the things he loves to do. And uh, he still does. So still very much involved. I mean, it's been a whole life's journey and we're still, you know, we get to work together uh, in a lot of different ways. And my brother's involved in the business, my cousin's involved in the business. So that family dynamic, if you will, has just transcended over, you know, a couple of years here. Man, that's amazing. I'm uh I'm stoked to hear that he's still in the business and just rocking and rolling with you, man. That, that's great. Yeah. Um, my father recently retired. He ended up starting his own business okay. um, as like an engineering consultant. He was pretty well respected in the engineering world around here. And I think, gosh, he was probably like in his late 50s or something when he finally started uh, his own thing. And uh, I've always wanted to do something with him. And I try to get him. <laughs> now and he's like nah man i'm done he's like i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. out like you know i just i just want to do whatever i want, sure. when I want to do it and i don't want to deal with taxes anymore and yeah. not making any more money and stuff like that um but he was a great example uh for me as like a father he made some tough decisions and, and always had my back when mm. when i really needed him so uh, we have a great relationship at the moment as well and um, just had a nice little trip with him and my oldest son. Uh, so we're still pretty close and he just left awesome. a few minutes from me. Yeah. So how, how did you end up, uh, like get transitioned into the world of, of Amazon? It sounds like you started like in a retail store and then maybe did you guys get a website and then go yeah. to Amazon or what was that like? So Nick, in that, in that 2002, and I call this the, the first pivot and the companies had different pivots and we're kind of in one as well today and i'll talk about that later is in 2002 really looking at what we can do with that piece of machinery and and what business could we really uh start utilizing that machinery from as we started making speaker boxes in 2002 so the big speaker boxes you you, you know the, in the trunks that usually wake up people at night uh, that's probably some of our products in the vehicle down the street kind of thumping down the line right yes. and uh so it started there and we started actually uh, our big break was getting a OEM contract where we were doing white label product for an OEM. 
at mass volume and we started manufacturing and then sending it right into their DCs and they would load the goods with subwoofers and then further distribute them out. And that kind of then morphed into us getting our own distribution network set up and then getting into dealers. So traditionally it's was always a B2B business. Um, really when the B2C arm came in and, and it really just came in because we got approached by Amazon directly in 2008 by the Vendor Central team um, at Consumer Electronics Show. I remember I was there and they came in. My cousin, uh, Ernie, who's still in the business, was there and he took a meeting with them and they were like, hey, we're, we see your product on Amazon. And it actually had been going through one of our distributors. They, would further, they were further selling it on Amazon and the volume had grown where Amazon was seeking out vendors. So we became a Vendor Central um, partner in 2009, I want to say, with Amazon. And really, it was just kind of a, it's on the side thing. We've got the B2B business. We've got a whole rep network. Our brand is growing. We're in all the key retailers in the USA, and we're moving into Canada. It was just kind of on the side, right? It was like this thing, the peels come, let's just keep filling them. And if they keep coming, great. And you know, as, as we started to look at our business and margins and simplicity and complexity of different things, uh, started putting more of a flashlight on that business, I'd say in 2000. 16 is where we started putting more of a flashlight. We actually didn't move into uh, Amazon Seller Central side until 2018, I want to say. So it took us a little bit of time. We were really just fulfilling Amazon as a B2B customer and selling product through Vendor Central is kind of how we got started into it. Okay, nice. You guys still have the Vendor Central account? Yeah, we do. We do. And now uh, putting a lot more actually energy around an MDS of course, it's been great because they've got the special groups of the Vendor Central folks. So I'm in some of those groups. And uh, now we've definitely got a, a bigger light put on it just because we see the opportunity. Amazing. Yeah, I've heard some good things about Vendor Central. Just like you guys get some extra love on the on the ranking side, it, it seems like. But uh, I, I've heard some stories as well that, that aren't yeah. positive. Also. Yeah, I was going to say it, it, it comes with the good and bad. So, right, you get both sides of it. So, you know, Kevin, one thing I'm wondering, man, like if you were starting again today in like a similar business, would you do things differently? Like, you know, it's so cool that you guys were able to have your own manufacturing. But like, do you think that would be hard these days if you were just starting up? Like, what would you maybe do differently now? Yeah, uh, it's a great question, Nick. I, I think about just simplicity. Right. And a lot of it is. For me as an entrepreneur, uh, what is the lifestyle I want, right? What really is going to make me happy? Uh, and I would, I would probably make all the decisions around simplicity, right? Uh, simplicity and agility. And, and we learned this even through COVID is uh, a big infrastructure, a big warehouse with big payroll, big inventory holdings. Agility is hard uh, in a lot of ways. There's benefits to that, of course, but I think for me personally, uh, it's inward of what type of life do I want? And am I building a business that is really going to support that? And that's going to support the folks who are working in it for the things that they want as well. So really people focused and the business should drive the lifestyles of the folks involved in it. I love that, man, because I think that's why we all become an entrepreneur. I mean, I really believe that's like the fire that burns inside of us is like we want a simple life that allows us to be agile, like you said, and, and do the things that we want to do. Um, and I think it's easy 
to lose sight of that as mm-hmm. you taste a little bit of success, right? And like you start to think about things like more money, more revenue, and, and you know, more profits and stuff like that. And um, you know, speaking personally, like I kind of got obsessed with that stuff for a while. And I think really it was like the kids, you know, having kids in a family that really yeah. check myself and be like, hey, wait, what a minute. Like why am I doing all this stuff again? Yeah. Um, and just really taking that step back and being like, well, you know, like I really just want to hang with my kids and I want to be able to surf when the waves are good. Like those two things mean a lot to me in life and, and fuel a lot of happiness in me. Um, yeah. What is it for you? Like, what is the lifestyle that you're, you're after? Yeah. I, you know, on the video, you'll see it here behind my, behind me is oneness. And right, Nick, I, I kind of went on a journey in my own ups and downs of life and peaks and valleys and came to the understanding that my personal purpose in life is oneness, right? And that's really about elevating uh, anything that I touch and every, every human that I encounter and how can we elevate one another. So really that energizes me, that brings me happiness, right? I, uh, I have not been blessed to have a family yet. Hopefully in the future I will, and I'm sure priorities will continue to shift. But that one thing will be constant is how do we just create a humanity that uh, brings out the best in everyone? And in that is, you know, there's a lot of things I try to do as we've talked a little bit about is running. So it's always like, let's bring everyone together, bring all the friends together. How do we do a run? And then how do we go and hang out and have fun together and do productive things? Or how do I bring my family together across the nation who hasn't seen one another. So I just look for opportunities, just take that thinking and weed it into everything I do in my in my personal life. And I find that makes me actually the happiest, right? And I'm I'm with you too. There's a time where it's you're counting the ticker when you're growing your business. It's like, all right, one million in revenue, two million in revenue. It's like, wow, I've got more money in the bank account, but I don't really don't feel any better. Right. So I, I, I think that's it. And I'm fortunate that I've been able to go on a journey to discover some of that so far amazing i love it man like um I'm, I'm a big fan of that sign you have up there and i remember my experience with kind of realizing that we're all connected in ways that we really don't understand from like a scientific perspective right because they'll say oh yeah we really can't prove these things there's some things they've proven that are, yeah. are pretty interesting out there but it still kind of escapes a lot of us i think but i think it's also one of those things it's like right in front of our faces yeah like you know when you connect with someone that and this happens often in mds i think we're like you go to an event you meet someone you've maybe had a couple conversations with online but there's this like instant connection and you know there's something special there um, yeah and i think it has to do with you know being on similar journeys similar struggles similar goals as well um and you know i've been pretty open and honest about my ups and downs in the group and have connected with others as well um i mean what are some of these things that you went through throughout your life that kind of led you to this discovery of oneness yeah you know i just again growing up in a you know first generation here, um, being an Indian family in a predominantly Italian neighborhood, we grew up in a neighborhood where we may be one or two of the only Asian families. So that with that comes opportunity and it comes challenges as well. And as a child, not really understanding why, you know, I was treated a certain way or I felt a certain way or maybe why I was bullied, um, uh, which occurred a lot of times through my young childhood and not really coming out of my shell. I was more of an introverted 
person. Now, now I'm a very kind of more, uh, uh, I'd say forward extroverted person in some ways, but really through some of those challenges growing up and that, that really forced me to really self-reflect on, was it me? What, you know, what is it society? Is it the way my family raised me? And, you know, why are these challenges present? And as I came in adulthood, really understanding that, you know, it wasn't something perhaps that I was doing, that there was opportunities for others maybe to look at themselves a little bit differently and how they treat other people. And that was really at the cusp of a lot of it that, you know, led me into just wanting to be better for people, right? Some of the hardships I came through being bullied as a child and all the way up into even high school. Um, And that also, I think, presented the challenge of saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to, I remember I was like, I'm going to come back to my high school reunion and I'm going to be a great human being who's very successful. And, you know, success to me then was, well, I want authority because I didn't, I wanted to have authority. And, you know, maybe that wasn't the right way then of looking at it, but it drove me really to be, uh, uh, say, I'm not going to fail at whatever I'm going to do. And, and I think that's drove, driven my thinking around, you know, the, the oneness purpose uh, from the onset. Awesome, man. I love it. You know, I think mindset is the one thing like we can carry with us no matter where our journey takes us right like no matter the ups the downs like that's the one thing that can always uh be there kind of you know keeping us on track to like what we feel our purpose is yeah throughout this life um and it sounds like you've kind of carried that throughout yours as well and and you've identified it in one word which is which is great and not (laughs) easy to do man yeah Um, so that's cool and it sounds like you've taken these experiences, these lessons and this purpose and, and carried it over to helping other people with their businesses to support their lifestyles, um, which kind of reminds me of like, uh, kind of like Tony Robbins, right? <laughs> he gets a lot, he gets a bad rap, you know, some people like him, some people don't, but, you know, I remember listening to him in the past and early on and like, you know, that was his message, you know, like, Hey, you know, you know, take care of yourself, be happy and, you know, make sure you're honest with yourself, which I think is a big piece of the success for me, at least in my entrepreneurial journey, like making sure I have those honest conversations with myself and I call myself on my own crap. Um, but I think that's where a coach can be beneficial, right? Because no matter, um, how good we get at that, I feel like we uh, we could still fool our, ourselves. Yeah. I read this book once called The Elephant in the Brain, and it was written by like some uh, psychologist or psychotherapist or something like that. And it would just really open my mind to how smart our, our minds are and how we can really deceive ourselves as kind of like a survival mechanism from a very like... Uh, I don't know, animalistic. Yeah, for the sure. Better word. Um, but let us know, man, like what, what are some things you're doing from a coaching perspective and, and helping people with on their yeah. uh, journey through business? Yeah, Nick is, is uh, I shared is I'm also a professional EOS implementer. And I know that's a, it's in the community. A lot of MDS folks run on the system. I've had some conversation with a few folks. It's the entrepreneurial operating system. And 
really it's a system to help entrepreneurs, you know, really manage human energy, starting with the, their own and typically the visionary thinking and bringing it all together and letting it uh, build a beautiful business. And I got really involved in, in EOS because in 2009, someone handed me a traction book when I joined the entrepreneurs organization, which is separate, uh, the Chicago chapter of it, which I know some of the folks in MDS are involved in as well. And I, I joined entrepreneurs organization, someone handed this book traction. Cause I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea how I'm running this thing and I'm just burnt out. And yeah. you know, the book really changed, uh, my business and it changed my own personal life just from a freedom standpoint. And I fell in love with the system because of its simplicity that I became a professional implementer in 2016, which really fits my own personal value system of the oneness and taking care of people first, because I was able to see what it did for me and our organization and wanted to uh, share that with others. So I started mentoring companies like 60, 70 companies. I was mentoring startups as a give back. And I found myself teaching a lot of that methodology uh, to these startups and we started seeing success. So I decided to join the community in 2016. And today I spend a good amount of my time doing that work because it, it helps the entrepreneur really get their hands around the business and the leadership team. And it makes a huge impact. So it's very, um, you know, I, it's very rewarding work for me. Sometimes someone hands a check and it's like, wow, I got so rewarded today in the work that we did that the check is like second, third, fourth down the line of the, I should actually give you a check back. Thank you because yeah. the work was so great we did today, right? Yeah. So that that coaching or, uh, you know, business of mine through EOS really has helped me live, you know, the life I love, uh, which is why I do it. Man, I love it. I think for me, you kind of touched on like, the essence of entrepreneurship for me, which is like that drive, that desire to go work your ass off for something you're excited about and that you believe in. And I think that's like EOS can allow that to open back up again. Whereas if you don't have a system to follow and you're just going through the motions, you kind of lose that, right? You start to become yeah. an employee in your own business. Um, and I always think I always relate stuff back to like surfing. Right. So like, I always think like if I moved somewhere, just gave up everything and went, I was like able to surf, you know, in Nicaragua somewhere every yeah. day, like eventually maybe two weeks down the line, maybe six months down the line, I'm going to have that drive, that urge, that kind of obsession and be compelled, uh, to get on the computer and do something great. <laughs> Um, because it's there, it's that fire, yeah. like burning inside of you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, a, like an unpopular opinion that I've always held is that for me, there was never really like, I didn't believe in work life separation. You know, I believe on focusing on my children and being present when I'm with my kids. But for me, my work was representative of like who I am as a, as an individual. Yeah. I wonder, like, with all your experience in this world, like, what's your take on that work life balance slash separation? Yeah, I think, you know, our, our businesses, the way I've always seen it is they're really a reflection of us, right? So it's, I've always, you know, started and, and didn't discover my personal values up until 2017 or 18. And that, you know, taking those personal values and aligning them with the business, then it made it somewhat seamless from a value standpoint and just a happiness standpoint because it was transcending throughout 
my life from my personal life and my family life from my business life. It really, you know, so that it didn't feel that you were putting so many different hats on all the time because that culture was built around the personal values that I shared. Um, and I think with, with, with business and, uh, you know, personal and how do you have work-life balance, I think if you can get folks to their unique ability, it doesn't feel like work anymore, right? So when you're doing the things that you're doing for your business, when you're doing the things that you love and you're great at, there's no amount of money you have to pay me. I'll just keep doing it because I love it and I'm great at it and it feeds my human energy. So I think as you know, I work with entrepreneurs, really getting the entrepreneurs, getting the owners and the leaders in their unique ability and then stemming that downstream. It just creates an environment where everyone's like, this is a lifestyle I'm in. This is not a job. Like I love doing the things I do and not easy. Uh, but I think if you do that, it really helps to eliminate some of that, you know, the issues that we find in work-life balance and the dream that we get, not only as entrepreneurs, but our people get as well. Amazing, man. I love how you touched on like the human energy perspective of it and how, you know, there's there's like two different paths we can go down. We can go down a path that kind of like sucks our energy and you come home and, you know, you want to crack a beer or smoke a joint or yeah. sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Yeah. Um, or all three at the same time. Or all three at the same time. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then there's this other path you can go down, which actually fills your energy and like keeps you fueled and you just, are, are just always in a good mood and, and, you know, maybe not always in a good mood, right? We are always going to have our ups and yeah. downs, but this just, you have this energy to like deal things, deal with things in a different way instead yeah. of like shy away from them, turn your back or ignore them. Yeah. Um, what, what are some things that come to mind for you that like we could share like right in this moment that you think would help people experience that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, a book that I just finished, and uh, I don't know if you've come across it yet, Nick, is The EOS Life. And Gina Wickman did a great job with this book. And although I'm a professional implementer and I, and I teach a lot of this, they were able to connect the framework to your personal life, right? So they made it very personal and they called it what's called The EOS Life. It's a great book I'd recommend. And it's five things that I think would resonate with all of us entrepreneurs and especially MDS members. I've gotten to know more and more of them. And we all share this, like you mentioned, similar value system, which makes it such a beautiful community. But it's, it's five things. It's doing things you love with people that you love, being compensated appropriately, having time for other passions, making a huge difference. And all five of those give you a framework of things you could be doing in your business as well as in your personal considerations of how can you check the box on those five things. Here's actually some tools you can go use and start using those tools so you can really get to those five things. Because to me, I've always tried to put those five things in different buckets and words, and I really couldn't capture all the words correctly as my brain was going a lot of directions. But as I read that book, it's like, wow, that, that is the five buckets that really I'm most interested in that would make me happy and actually would build a great business for myself and the people who work in it as well. So I, for our listeners, I think everybody should pick up a copy. It's a great book. There's some great tools in it to use. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love, I haven't read that one yet, but like I love EOS because I feel like they give you two important things that need to come together in a package. It's like this, this excitement, this hope, 
right? It, yeah. It can be fleeting, right? We see it a lot on social media. You see a post, you get all excited, motivated, uh, but then that kind of withers away and yeah. you don't do anything because the, the tool was missing, the application was missing. And I think EOS is very good at, at getting you very excited about things and then giving you something to do uh, to actually like experience that uh, consistently throughout your life. Like I remember when I just first started in 10 meetings and I tell people this that are like, get trying to get into EOS. I'm like, Hey, just, just do a level 10 meeting. Yeah. Watch this video on how you do, run a level 10 and just start doing it and, you know, connect it to some like one year goal or an overall. Yeah. Um, and you know, see how it goes. And that's just a simple way to get started. You know, a lot of people for whatever reason don't want to hire an implementer or they don't want to go all in. But I think like the, that allows you to have a small experience yeah. that can really lead to some big results. And it's, I mean, pretty easy to, to implement a level 10, um, no matter where you are in, in life. I remember I've even tried to like carry some of these principles over to my personal life as well, <laughs> like a big whiteboard yeah. um, in the house. I have this big giant whiteboard and like, we would have family meetings. Yeah. Right on. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We would do the positive and the negative and like set a goal for the week and kind of like yeah. about the things we were doing to get closer to that goal. Um, and we did that consistently for like, I think like nine months. Um, then we moved into a okay. new house and it kind of like, it kind of slipped away, but, um, you know, I need to get that back going again. Cause those were special moments with the kids. Yeah. They're not going to learn that stuff anywhere else. You know, most yeah. likely. I love it. The family core value system, all that stuff. Like I eat that stuff up. There is something, uh, Nick, think about the VTO. So in EOS, we know the vision traction organizer as your two page strategic plan. Well, there's something called the personal plan that EOS has as well that I'll be happy to send you an email on. And it's actually a whole template, but it's for the personal family to work through and with your significant other or, or life partner. And you can kind of build it out and make a really cool exercise of quarterly and annual meetings. And it's really fun just to have a great way to do something together and build towards something together. Amazing, man. I love it. Like I kind of I kind of thrive on structure. Um, I learned that like early in life when I was going through some not so good moments and had to dig myself, um, you know, out of some bad situations here. And, and I learned that like structure helped me really become the person that I wanted to be versus kind of just out there winging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out on the surfboard, just winging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would absolutely love love to take that um, and and check it out and complete it, man. It sounds sounds great. Uh, so so talk a little more about uh, where you're at now with your um, your your implementation business and and what you guys are working on and. You know, do you have, do you have like a team of people that work with you in this, or is this something you do kind of solo? Yeah. So the the implementation, the EOS business, it's uh, you know the role is of the implementer who's trained is to be coach, facilitator, and teacher. So that's kind of my role. So it's really a one on one relationship with the visionary and the integrator, and then working with the entire leadership team. So it's just myself, I've got the um, executive assistant who handles a lot of my communication and, you know, the high detail stuff that I don't love doing kind of with the visionary characteristics I have as well. So I've got 
somebody who kind of does all the scheduling and puts all the things together. And I get to show up present and with the most human energy to do a great session with my teams and provide the highest value I can. So, you know, in some of that simplicity, we talked about going back to 2002 and having a, a business that's manufacturing and B2B component and B2C component. I have fell in love with the simplicity of it. So that's part of why the the, the coaching business is also something that I'm really passionate about. So it's it's me and my EA, and uh, we seem to have a great rhythm. We we run on EOS, so it works, right? And uh, we we eat our own sandwiches, so it, it works for us. Amazing, man. I'm I'm wondering because I'm sure we have a lot of visionary type people listening to this, and and we have a lot of those types of people in the group as well. Like what type of advice or process would you share with someone who wanted to hire that EA that could really fill that gap and yeah. those high detail things that allows them yeah. to really focus on what they're best at? So Nick, I, I use something called Culture Index, which is a profiling tool that really helps you. It's 19 typified patterns. And in those 19 typified patterns, I found for visionaries, probably majority of MDS members as well, there's a typified pattern called the technical expert. So they're basically the opposite of how a lot of us think and how we work. Uh, they're self-starters, which is great. Uh, they're very uh, deductive, meaning they're fact finders and they're fast paced, but they have a very high attention to detail. So think about the folks who love checking the box. They love checklists. They love keeping things nice and organized. Um, so I never make a hire without that tool anymore. And my assistant is a technical expert and complements me really well. So number one is just having the right fit. And we do month, we do quarterly calls on our, our patterns and why we might be rubbing each other the wrong way, right? And having some of those open, honest conversations to just help build the trust. But that that has been uh, vital for us. We always, also, I recommend a daily 15-minute daily huddle. Just if you can do a daily huddle with what are you working on? What are your needs? Where are you stuck? And just keeping that connectivity there. And then we run a level 10 meeting in its pure EOS format. We've got rocks. She's got rocks. I've got rocks. We've got scorecard metrics from anything that's personal all the way to family. So for example, I'm always super anxious about my credit score because growing up as a kid, it was bad. So it's like every month it's on the scorecard. Where are we at? And I'm checking those things on the scorecard. So, right, I, I kind of have weaved everything into the level 10 meeting. Um, and ultimately it worked really well. And I'd say trust has been at the core of it because I can entirely hand over all of my information to this individual. And they then can make decisions on my behalf, uh, which has been really well. So investing in trust has been important. And I'd say that's something to continue to do. And what about like EOS helping you live that lifestyle that you want? Like how about, you know, if have you gone away for three months and not had a level 10? And like, like how did that go for you? And, and like, what do you think about some of us that might be having multiple level 10s a week? Is that like a good or a bad thing? Yeah. Like, um, what, what are some kind of, you know, green light, red light things you would yeah. consider here that, that might be happening. I, so, you know, going back to the earlier comment of unique ability, when we're flexing our behavior modifying, which we have to do in a lot of ways for our businesses, depending on where we're in the growth phases, when you find yourself doing the things you hate and you suck at, we're probably not going to do them that well. So 
looking for solutions on those things is really important. I'd say going back and using a tool that EOS calls the accountability chart, which is the org chart, I say, on steroids. It's really what's the major function. So if I'm visionary uh, and my name is in that box, what are the five accountabilities that I have and getting really clear on those. And then actually getting an integrator is vital, I think, for every visionary, because really the integrator is charged with running the business plan, right? They're really high detail, connecting the dots. Left hand knows what the right hand is doing. I know for myself, I've had to sit in that box and it was an energy drain for me kind of building my business. I no longer am, but I was terrible at it, but I had to do it and I did it for as long as I could. And I think I, I held on to it probably for too long, but finding the right integrator for any visionary is a game changer. And that's what EOS really calls rocket fuel, because then you're not really required to be in all the level 10 meetings and you're really doing the same page with your integrator and making sure that your VTO is getting uh, the goals are getting met and you're helping to problem solve. So I always go back to what's the accountability chart. Do you got the right people in the right seat? Okay. All right. I remember I met with Mike Jackness from, uh, um, uh, why the name of the company is slipping my mind. Ecom, um, Ecom crew Mike okay. from Ecom crew. And he called his integrator. He was like, yeah, she protects she protects the team from me. <laughs> She's the protector. Yeah, well, we call it no end runs, right? Because the visionary is used to going around everyone and doing what they want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It's uh, such a great dynamic, man. Um, well, Kevin, thanks so much for everything you've shared, man. I feel like we got a lot of value out of this call and, and that members and listeners are really going to have some, some great things to check out. You know, I think so many people are in this position where, uh, you know, maybe they want something different. They need a little structure, a path to follow. And EOS is clearly like successful and um, something that can be replicated and, you know, something people can kind of sink their teeth into and and just give it a shot. And there's so many yeah. people out there that can support them on this journey. Um, why don't you let the listeners know, like, you know, where to reach out to you if, if they want some help or, you know, maybe if they want to look towards their local community, I think there's some resources they might. Yeah. Have as well, yeah. So my, my rule always is that, and especially with MDS members say so you can reach out to me and I'll give you as much time as I have. Just give me a cold beer when we meet in person yeah. sometime. So that offer stands uh, for all our listeners is yeah, you can, Email anyone can email me at kevin at eosworldwide.com and I'd be happy to share tools and, and help you to brainstorm and even happy to connect folks who are looking for somebody maybe locally in their city and, and kind of uh, help them in how you can make the right decision for the right implementers. So anyone can email me, uh, kevin at eosworldwide.com and uh, I'll be sure to reply and try to do my best to. Uh, kind of live on that oneness theme and give back and help first wherever I can. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much, man. It's uh, been a pleasure chatting with you and I'm looking forward to having a beer in person. Soon. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Thank you. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.